0: Before I get started, Phil, would you introduce the our guests today? Yeah,
1: okay, sure. I the uh, This is Pam's, two of Pam's brothers, number four in the lineage, the fourth child, Kevin's the fifth, and Kent, Jerry and Kevin, Good boy, the the boy, but he's the fifth kid. <laughs> um, I got <laughs> So they decided they wanted to surprise mom and dad, so we had to kind of fit and be around the bush for a week or so. Keep <laughs> my dad, you know. They succeeded in surprising her. I can tell you that. Thought well, we were going to have to call 911 when uh, she recognized who they were. But, so they succeeded. But they come down and Kevin said, well, "Let's play guitars and can we play." I said, "Sure." So I hope you don't mind. Um, but These are my two of my brother-in-law. Headed back today after to church. Jerry's got a load to load. Blunder tomorrow morning, tomorrow sometime, tomorrow, and then drive back and get apples. You forgot my wife, Susie.
0: Yeah, sorry, Susie. It's good to have you all with us today. Thanks for playing. That was a real blessing for us. Well, I've been preaching on. The last five weeks, and today will be the sixth week, and I'm going to end this series today. But things that, that we deal with. We talked about things that, that quake our faith when we talked about dealing with quake, quake, faith quakes. We talked about dealing with depression. We talked about dealing with wicked people. We talked about dealing with guilt. As I thought about this this week and preparing this sermon thought wow you know i might have saved the toughest one for last and as i thought about it it's like maybe i didn't save the toughest one for them but i saved the toughest one for me because the more i studied over this and read over this and studied over this some more it's like why am i preaching a sermon that i'm pointing so many fingers at myself and that's with this sermon today i have entitled dealing with our anger now, I know nobody here has an anger issue, so I hope you'll just take this and understand this sermon for me today. David: David was the slayer of the giant Goliath. He was king of Israel. He was said to be a man after God's own heart. yet David had his downside and weak moments. And after David's encounter with Saul in the cave where David had the opportunity, if you remember Saul was chasing after David and his men, Saul wanted to kill David. And David in the cave had an opportunity to slay Saul, King Saul, but David said he would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. And David then and his band of misfits, people who were described in 1 Samuel 22 as people in trouble, in debt, bitter about life, they set up camp in the wilderness of Paran, which was an area where raising sheep was the main industry. And shepherding tended to be a dangerous business in those days. Bands of nomadic people would suddenly overrun an area, attack the employees of the shepherd. Steal livestock and assault small villages. So owners of the sheep flock would hire someone to protect their employees and their herds. Sort of like hiring a security company. And David was an experienced shepherd himself and, and an experienced military man. So he and his band of men worked to protect a flock of sheep and the shepherds that tended to the sheep that were owned by a man named Nabal. This morning I'd like to begin by reading in 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25, beginning with verse 2, we'll learn a little bit about this man Nabal. It says, Now there was a man in Maon, whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now, I have heard that you are shearing your sheep. Your shepherds were here with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them. All the while, they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David, and waited. Now, understand All these guys were looking for is their due pay for doing the job that they were hired to do. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Now listen to this. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and given it to men who I do not know where they are from. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David and 200 men stayed With the supplies. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this morning, we recognize this man, David. He had done a job for Nabal, and all he wanted was to be paid. that was the contract, Lord. And when came time for shearing, they would receive their due reward, their due pay. But Nabal is different plans. And Father, we can see David's anger. And I often wonder, Lord, what drives us to anger and how to deal with it. Many times, Lord, we know people get angry and sometimes they just don't know how to deal with the anger in the proper way. So I tell you, today I pray, Lord, that we'll understand anger a whole lot better. Why we get angry. What causes we... Uh, see that give us anger and how to handle this anger in the right way to keep us from doing things lord that would not please you help us to understand today i pray in jesus name Amen. Amen. amen nabal was described by the writer of first samuel as very rich harsh and evil in his dealings and this guy was a ruthless business owner Profit was all he cared about. According to the customs of that day, at the time the sheep were sheared, it was common for the owner of the animals to set aside a portion of the profit he made to give those who protected the shepherds and the sheep. That was just the way things were done. And David and his men had been faithfully watching out for the flock in Nabal. And when payday arrived, David sent his men to collect his fee for protecting the flock. Only there was one problem. Dave Ball was a stingy man. He refused to pay up. How would you feel when you showed up for your paycheck and the ball said, "What? Who? So sorry, Charlie, but my name's not Charlie. Maybe that's why you got it wrong." You see, David. Of course, he became enraged. And he gathered his men together. They armed themselves. They started journeying toward Nabal's home. And David planned to kill Nabal and any of his men who resisted. In verse 14, it says, Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men who were very good to us, And we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and day, all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Imagine that. One cannot speak to him. Word of this business, deal gone sour, reached the ears of Nabal's wife, Abigail. And she was described in 1 Samuel chapter chapter 25 as sensible and beautiful. And when she hears what is going on, she gathers up a bunch of food and sets out to go and meet David. Maybe she lived by the adage, the best way to a man's heart is how? Through his stomach. Maybe she thought about that in verse 18. Verse 18. It says, Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves of bread, 2 skins of wine, 5 sheep already dressed, 5 seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill and there were David and his men coming down toward her and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. You see there in verses 21 and 22, it gives us some insight into what's going on inside of David right now. He's one angry man. And there's not a man in the household of Nabal that they're not going to slay. They're not going to die by the sword. That's how David looked at it. And then what we see in verses 23 through 31, I'll not read those, but Abigail negotiates with David calms him down tells him that she knows her husband is a fool even calls her husband a worthless person and she gets David to see that killing Nabal would be a black mark on his sterling record to this point we pick up verse 32 and David said to Abigail blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed is your advice And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hastened and come to me, meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. And if we continue to read there in verses 36 through 42, we'd find when Abigail returned home, she told her husband Nabal what had occurred and how she prevented an attack by David and his men. Nabal had a heart attack and 10 days later died. And then David later proposes to Abigail and marries her. So this morning I want to talk about anger and learning how to control it when someone does something to you that makes you so mad. David's anger almost led him to murder. Anger, when left unchecked, can lead us to places we shouldn't want to go. After spending three and a half hours enduring a long line, a rude clerk and insane regulations at the Department of Motor Vehicles, a man stopped at a toy store to pick up a gift for his son, and he brought his selection a baseball bat to the cash register and the clerk asked him cash or charge and the man snapped at her cash and then he apologized for his rudeness and he explained i've spent the afternoon at the motor vehicles bureau and the clerk sweetly asked shall i gift wrap the bat or are you going to back going to go back there <laughs> You see, studies show that the average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman only loses her temper three times a week. Women get angry more often at people, but men more often get angry at things, such as machinery breaking down. Single adults express anger twice as often as married adults. And men are more physical with their anger than women. You are more likely to express anger at home than anywhere else. And anger is most frequent and intense towards those we love, not towards strangers. <clears throat> well, Proverbs sixteen thirty two says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. The fact is, we all get angry, but in different ways. Anger is a very normal human reaction. Think about it. Jesus got angry. In the Old Testament it says 375 times that God, yes God, got angry. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4:26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, there's a right way and a wrong way to get angry. And there's a harmful way and a helpful way. The issue today is not how can I get rid of all my anger, but how can I deal with it in non-destructive ways? Now, if I had my slides up there that somehow missed getting on my computer... I'd be able to show you. Number one is this. We're going to talk about two things about anger today, and number one is this: it's destructive anger. Destructive anger. Now, the first one there, destructive anger, is we explode. We explode. This person is walking time bomb. They're out of control. When they get angry, they let it fly. They throw things. They curse. They yell. They stomp up and down. And some even throw a temper tantrum. They're like a shotgun that sprays its shots all over. And whatever is in the way gets hit. And this is the way David expressed his anger with Nabal. When Nabal wouldn't pay David and his men... What they owed, David exploded. David said, strap on your swords, boys, and let's go take care of business. Then we're going to kill this scumbag. I'll teach him to mess with me. Now, I know nobody in there would be that way. In some cases, this type of person immediately regrets their anger. They're embarrassed. They regret what they've said and what they've done. They apologize and they're ashamed. Tommy Volt. A professional golfer, one time he was uh, doing a pro clinic and he had his 14-year-old son with him. And he thought he'd show off. So he said, hey son, show them what I taught you. And his son immediately pulled out a nine iron and tossed it up in the sky and he let out a few choice words fly from his mouth. You know what that's called? That's called learned behavior. We have a three-year-old granddaughter at home, almost four. Red hair and all this stubbornness to go with it. And it's funny because this came out yesterday. We were doing something. Olivia has this way of letting you know when she's busy, don't bother her. I'll say, Olivia, Pop loves you. She'll say, no, I eating. Eat. In other words, don't bother me, Pop. I'm eating. And I said to Leon, I, I always think it's cute when she'll tell you, no, I'm doing this, or no, I'm doing that. Leon said, well, she learned it from us. It's like none of us say it. She goes, sure, we do. We'll say, just wait a minute, I'm still eating. It's like, wow. Learn behavior. That's why I have to tell him, you guys need to watch what you say around the house because she's going to pick up on it. Yeah. Some people explode. Number two, some people go silent. They go silent. This person holds it in, clams up instead of blowing up. They don't reveal their feelings, they deny their anger, they pretend they're not mad. They would not admit that they're angry. They conceal how they feel. Are you okay? I'm fine. Are you upset? No. I'm fine. I'm not angry. There's a man named Dr. F. I. Macmillan who wrote a book, None of These Diseases. And he listed 51 types of illnesses that can be caused by bottled up anger, being emotionally upset, and holding it in. Now here we go. Finger number one pointing right at me because I used to be one of these people. I kept it in and I was silent. I was a ticking time bomb waiting to go off either emotionally, mentally, or physically. With God's help, I'll be honest, I have learned to let it out in the right way. But it took a long time. Leonie's only ever seen me really angry a handful of times. Two or three times. And it was not pretty because that's where that, you know, the uh, volcano sitting there steaming, smoking. Suddenly, sooner or later, it explodes. <laughs> that was me. And then afterwards, it's like, you got to do something or you're going to die early age from a heart attack. You've got to work on this. So I learned to let it out by talking about it. Not screaming about it. But talking about it, this made me angry. And learning that a lot of times what made me angry wasn't much of anything at all. Just how I was doing that day. A good example of this is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. In Jeremiah 15, verses 17 through 18, it says this, I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, God, for you have filled me with anger. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Why? It's because I'm holding it in and it's killing me. And that's how Jeremiah, Jeremiah was angry at God and he was keeping it in. Some people let it explode. Some people get silent. And the the number three is that we manipulate people. We manipulate people. This is the Lee Iacocca version of anger. And I know the audience I'm talking about, you can remember Lee Iacocca. When he was fired by Ford, his famous line was this, Don't get mad, get even. I will figure out a way to get you back. That's what Lee Koka said. And religious people often choose this form because it seems more spiritual than just exploding. When I will be very nice to you, I will cut you behind your back. Hello. That's the manipulator approach. And While pretending to be nice, you tried to get even. But the old devil is constantly tempting you this way. Tom, don't just get even, get ahead. Hurt them more than they hurt you. A good example of this is the Pharisees in Luke chapter 6 verse 11. It said, but they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. And what did they do? They manipulated someone else. To betray Jesus, and his name was Judas. You so we don't explode, we don't hold our anger in, we just try to manipulate circumstances so that the person we are mad at will get what's coming to them. Now, these types of anger are not good and will sooner or later destroy you inside and out. Trust me on this, I've seen it in effect i tried to tell people for a lot of years, and, and, you know, being up on the news, okay, if if you're a person who likes being up on the news, it's understandable. I can understand that. But I will tell you this, because I've seen it in action so many times. Those people who always are listening to the news or talk radio that's all about the news are some of the most negative people I've ever met. And not only are they negative people, they're some of the most angry people I've ever met. They really are. And I have to tell them sometimes, you know what, brother? You need to take a time out. Quit listening to that radio, talk radio. Turn it over to a smooth jazz station or listen to some classical music. Listen to something that will calm you down. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't do any good to get that angry with the politicians, with the government, or with anybody else. Especially when there's not a whole lot you can do about it. But I can tell you something you can do about it. You can calm down and you can take it to God and let God help you with those issues. Because they will drive you crazy. So that's the bad part of anger. Let's talk about the good part. I want to talk about diffusing anger. Diffusing anger. The first way to diffuse that time bomb is this way. Number one, understand anger. Understand your anger. Typically there are three common causes of anger. Did you know that? The first is when we hurt. When we hurt, hurt causes anger. When I'm physically hurt or emotionally hurt, if you hit your thumb with a hammer, you get angry, right? When I hurt, I can get angry. David's hurting. His mentor, the man who had anointed him to be the next king of Israel, the man who had given him such wonderful advice, had died. And in 1 Samuel chapter 25 verse 1, Samuel dies and all Israel gathered to mourn for him. They buried him in his home in Ramah. Samuel died. David was hurting. And when people are hurting physically and emotionally, their anger can come out. And obviously David's anger was coming out here with Nabal. He was already hurting because of the passing of Samuel. And now this man Nabal wants to cheat him out of his well-earned pay. And David says, okay, you'll find out. Strap on your weapons, boys. We're going for a walk. We need to understand that anger comes, understand our anger because we're hurting. How about when we're frustrated? When nothing seems to work? When things don't go your way, when you're forced to wait, when Murphy's Law is in effect, you get frustrated, you get angry. That's why there is so much road rage today. People are frustrated with the traffic and the amount of time it takes to get places. Their frustration leads to anger, or you may be frustrated with where your life is right now. And because you are frustrated, you are more prone to get angry quickly. I know you understand road rage. We've seen it many times. And it just seems to get worse and worse. Road rage has gone from yelling out the window, You head," <laughs> To waving your number one fan out the window with your hand. So now people run into each other. People stop and shoot at people. They jump out and, and assault people. Because of road rage. Because they're frustrated. They've allowed their anger to get the better of them. Number three part of understanding anger is when we are physically exhausted. We're physically exhausted. David had been on the run for several months, day after day. He was tired. He and his men were hungry. He probably hadn't had a nice hot bath for quite some time. He was exhausted. And I know that when I'm tired, hungry, and physically spent, I can get angry pretty quick. How about you? Understand what's causing your anger. And that's the first step on knowing how to deal with your anger. Because if we understand it, then we have to look at number two, or letter B. Be slow to express your anger. Whoo! This is a tough one here. Be slow to express your anger. In James chapter 1, verse 19... We read, this you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's a three-step progression in a great plan. Somebody once said, you know, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth. You're to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And slow to anger. But often, so many people have it backwards, don't they? They don't hear, they're quick to speak, and the anger flies. In other words, don't respond impulsively. Think it through first. In Proverbs 29, verse 11, it says, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Now, one of the great remedies for anger is delay. It's delay. The longer you hold your temper, the more it improves. If you let it off immediately, it's bad news. But the longer you hold it, the better it gets. And I'm not talking about here being silent and letting your anger brew. I'm talking when you're angry, think about it. How am I going to let my anger out right? And not just let it fly, but be slow to let it out. More than the words that Abigail spoke to David, the delay that Abigail caused by going to speak with David was a big part of why David calmed down. She was able to defuse the situation because she bought some time, and time was able to do its part in calming David down. Thomas Jefferson is the guy who said this. You've probably heard this before. When you're angry, you count to ten. When you're very angry, you count to a hundred. And if you're still angry, you keep on counting. Thomas Jefferson, third president of this year the United States, was noted to say that. Anything you can do to delay and defer the anger so you can reflect before reacting is good. Whatever you are going to do initially, don't. People who stay calm have a much better insight. When we get angry, have you noticed that our mouth usually runs faster than our mind? When you get angry, you need to put your mind in gear before you engage your mouth. David got mad so quick that he started making all these threats and plans of how he's going to take Nabal's life. Had he been slow to anger, he would have thought about it, what the consequences of killing Nabal would have been, and he probably would have calmed himself down. In Proverbs 13, 6, we read, Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. In other words, the fool acts before he thinks, but the wise man thinks before he acts. Number three, letter C, watch your words. Watch your words. In Proverbs 21, 23, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. See, blowing your stack only creates air pollution. (laughs) Ha 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 It doesn't do a whole lot of good, does it? The problem is that words come very easily when we're angry, when our adrenaline is running. When I get angry, I'm brilliant. Sometimes I can think of the most sarcastic things to say. But those words don't taste so good when I have to eat them because of my stupidity. Now, I'm guessing that I'm probably not alone in that. That I've said some things that I've had to take back, and no doubt you probably have as well. Don't get me wrong, I've been married 42 years. (laughs) I've had to learn to watch what I say. I'll give you a hint, man, when your wife says, does this make me look fat? (laughs) You better find something nice to say. (laughs) I can tell you, my my oldest son has had a few moments. Things his wife has said to him and what he responded. And I said, Jason, that is not how you should have responded. He goes, yeah, Dad, I kind of found that out after I said it. (laughs) You see? Proverbs 15.1, the proverbial writer said this. Think you keep this in mind. This going to help you a lot of times. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It works. Try it. Try it sometime. When somebody's getting angry and they're spewing all over you, keep it calm. Talk to them in a gentle voice. Even if what they just said makes you very angry. Trust me. It can help big time. Whatever you do when you're angry, resist using sarcasm. Harsh words will escalate the problem, while soft words deflate the tension. Remember, gentle answer quiets anger. Letter D. Whew, this is a tough one too. Learn to relax. learn to Relax. The 14 chapter 14:30 of Proverbs says this, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Now have you ever noticed that when you're uptight, you're more prone to anger? That's because temper and tension always go together. If you want to learn to reduce your anger, you need to relax. You need to relax. Got that, Tom? Relax. Deadlines tend to bring out the worst in us. They make us irritable. Early on, when I was beginning my preaching career, I battled PMS. You know, pre message syndrome. I would struggle to write the sermon the way I wanted it, then toss it around in my mind and analyze if I put everything correctly. Then I'd strategize how I was going to preach it. I had a real case of energy to preach. I wasn't nervous about getting up to preach. I had this, all this energy to get up and preach. I had to learn to relax. So what was I going to do? Most of the time I'd preach, it was Sunday evening. So I've had all day now to think about it. And I'd be sitting at home, and I'd be sitting there, and I'd be getting up, and I'd be walking around. Then I'd go back and sit down, and I'd be sitting there, and I'd be moving around. And Leonie would say, what's wrong with you? Because I'm not that type of person. I'm not a hyperactive person. I said, I just, I just, just want to go preach. She said, calm down. I said, I don't know how to calm down. I just want to get this done. I've worked hard on this. You have to learn to relax. Do something. That's the last thing you really want to hear from your wife. In my younger days, when she'd say, you just have to learn to relax. (laughs) She was right. So I came up with this plan. I'd sit down and come home, and I'd have lunch with my family. Sunday afternoon, I'd spend a short time with Leonie and the boys, and I would retire to my bedroom. And there in the bedroom, I'd read over my notes one more time. Then I'd put on a set of headphones, and I'd listen to some soft instrumental music, and I'd take a nap. Then if I didn't wake up in time, she would wake me up. I would freshen myself a little bit, and then I'd be ready to go. And I think I became a better preacher because I learned to relax on Sunday afternoons than walking around the house waiting for my opportunity to preach. It taught me to relax, just be calm. And eventually I didn't need those afternoon breaks like I had. I was all ready to go. I was confident. I wouldn't even look over my notes one more time. I'd just sit at home and enjoy my afternoon with my family till it was time to go. Let me ask you, are you one of those people who are wound so tight that anything ticks you off? It's week after week of tension. You're wondering why you're biting the head off your spouse. When you get home, she turns around. She yells at the son. The son hits the daughter. The daughter kicks the dog. The dog chases the cat. The cat bites the head off the Barbie doll. It's a great big chain reaction. Now, when you need to get away and relax, and then somehow, some way, do so. Go golfing, fishing, take a walk on the beach. Go for a run or go to the park and just chill out. I'm going to say something here. Catch this. Don't underestimate the importance of relaxing when it comes to diffusing anger. I found another thing that's a lot of fun to do when I'm a little angry. Go to my workshop. (laughs) Get a piece of wood. And a hammer and a nail and just take out your anger. Before long, it's like, I feel better now. I didn't hurt anything. The wood's screaming. The hammer's hot. But I feel a lot better. And I haven't hurt anybody. I didn't yell at anybody. It helps you relax. And finally, the number fifth one or letter E, continually this is a big one. Continually ask God for help. The most important thing a person can do to get his anger or any other negative personality trait or any sinful habit under control is to bring the need before God. In James chapter 4 verse 2 we read, You do not have because you do not ask. If you find yourself blowing up a lot with anger, let me, let me ask you this. How often do you go to God and ask him for his help in overcoming your anger? If you would get in the habit of spending 15 to 30 minutes a day reading God's word, talking to God about the struggles in your life, you will discover how much strength you do have to control and diffuse anger. If I take a tube of toothpaste and I aim it and hit it real hard, toothpaste is going to come out, right? If I fill the tube with mayonnaise and hit it and squeeze it, what's going to come out? Mayonnaise. And if I fill it with chili beans, what's going to come out? Chili Chili beans. My point, whatever is inside is going to come out when it's squeezed. That's true with people. When the world puts pressure on you, and there are deadlines to meet, and the money isn't stretching as far as you think it needs to, and the people around you are increasing the level of expectation, you are in the squeeze. Whatever is inside of you is going to come out. If you are filled with God's word and you're spending quality time with God in prayer, then you are 80% of the way toward diffusing your anger. When you are filled with anger and hostility and hurt and frustrated and insecure, when the world puts you on the squeeze, that's what's going to come out. And when you're filled with God, almost nothing can upset you. When you're filled with anger, almost anything can upset you. So be filled with God. And when God is in your life, He will fill you with love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control. And when the world puts the squeeze on you and your life is at the office or at home or in the classroom, that's what's going to come out. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. I'd like to close with this. In the Bible, we learn it's better to be slow tempered than famous. It's better to have self control than to control an army. Now, how are you doing in this area? Do you need a little bit more patience this week? Don't, pay, don't pray for it. Don't pray for patience. But you can pray that God will help you with your anger. Would you make a choice today? Would you say by God's grace I'm going to stop those old habitual patterns of anger? Here's a secret it is your choice. You can control it if you want to. The fact is, maybe you haven't wanted to. It feels good to get angry, but it's very self destructive. You see, once Abigail calmed David down, he realized how blessed by God he had been to have Abigail intervene. He says to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed, you, uh, blessed be your discernment. And blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. Hey, Abigail, thanks for keeping me from acting on my anger. Angry outbursts are always something we regret later. And God wants to help you with your anger problems. He's waiting for you to ask. So the key is this. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Ask for God's help. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus yet. Maybe you understand the anger problem. One thing I can guarantee. You don't want to find out on the bad side of God's anger. You don't want to be on the bad side of God's anger. And one day, those who haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to understand God's anger because they didn't accept His Son. So if you have a decision to make, we're going to stand and sing as these gentlemen play our hymn of invitation, which is page number what, guys? Oh, Ted's still deciding. It's what? Ted's still deciding. Oh, Ted's still deciding. It's this one.
1: We are one for the right? No, we are Christians. No, we are
0: Christians by our love. Okay. No, it's on 119, I believe. Oh, 119. If you have a decision to make for Jesus, we're going to send page 119. Two verses. Which two verses? We're doing 1 and 4? Yes.
1: Yeah,
0: we'll do verses 1 and 4 if you're able, or please stand as we sing. If you have a decision to make for Jesus, you come. Amen. Mm-hmm. Pleasure to have you today. And Susie, too. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to rejoice today one more time, thanking you for all we have, the opportunity to learn today about anger. And I look forward to, Lord, uh, being back next week to hear Brother Chris sing to us, bring us the message. And and I hope, Lord, that we'll be truly thankful for the wonderful blessings. We receive today the, the talent that's been demonstrated here in our singing, and the opportunity to uh, worship together. We're truly blessed, Lord, and pray that as we go from this place today. Help us to be well, uh, well, keep us safe. Help us to be an ever-shining light for you and for your Son. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Blessed. Thank you for listening to this message from our evangelist Tom Schoff. Our prayer is that each of you, after hearing the truth of God's word today, have been encouraged, enlightened, and challenged by the truth of the gospel message. Our prayer is that each of you will know Christ in a very deeper manner by hearing these messages. And should you have a question concerning your faith, your trust in God, your relationship, even your salvation, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.chieflandchristianchurch.org That's www.chieflandchristianchurch.org Or you can email us at Chiefland at and we'll be glad to get back with you. Don't forget this message has been brought to you by Anchor FM, the free platform that is designed to make it simple and easy for you to create your own podcast, just like this one. Anchor FM, you can download it today at their website, anchor.fm, and enjoy this exciting new platform.